You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing great out there. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. It is a fan Friday here. We're going to be joined by Sterling Young to talk about his memories of being a BYU fan growing up. What did he take away from the 2020 football season and a whole lot more. We'll get to that. We'll also continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football. 1936 and the end of an era for the BYU football program. We'll explain a little bit more about that. And, of course, we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. A big win for BYU men's volleyball as they advance to the national championship. We'll touch on all of that ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you in part by our good friends at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Join hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of the 2021 draft. And look ahead to next year's future first-round picks as well. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive on in on a Friday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 7th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Make sure if you haven't done so already to please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want those five-star ratings as well as your guys' comments on what you like about the show. It really helps us build this audience and a big thanks in advance for your guys' support of the podcast as always. Also, make sure to hit that follow button and that way it pops up in your Twitter, not your Twitter feed, your podcast feed. It might pop up in your Twitter feed. Who knows? But make sure you hit that follow button on your podcast provider of choice. That way it's just right there for you guys and you can join us every single day. Let's get going here on a Friday and talk a little bit about BYU basketball. Some news yesterday, vanquished the foe with the initial report and I followed that up and confirmed it that Matt Harms has informed the BYU coaching staff that he will indeed move on with his playing career and just overall with life and will not return to BYU for another season in a BYU uniform. He made that comment at the end of the NCAA uh, tournament when BYU bowed out against UCLA and said, hey, I've played my last game. There was a full court press put on by BYU to get him to come back. Uh, Mark Pope, Chris Burgess, the entire coaching staff showing him all kinds of love, hoping that he would come back for another year. But it appears that he has decided to move on with his life. The good news is, if you want to look at it that way, is everything I'm hearing is that Alex Barcelo is all but set to come back to BYU for another season. So, you're getting one all-WCC performer coming back potentially, but you do lose the WCC Defensive Player of the Year. So, a little bit of a give and take there. I think you would like to have Harms back. There's no doubt about that. But the offer going out to Dusan Mahorchic, who we've talked about on the podcast earlier on in the week, it was in response to Harms revealing to the coaches that he was not coming back. They feel like they need another big body in the middle. Some of you may quibble with that saying, well, they got plenty of other big bodies in there. Well, they feel like they need another guy and they think that Mahorchic might be the answer for them. He's a six foot ten Serbian national and a good player for Illinois State, a former Juke player if I'm not mistaken as well I think he'd be a welcome addition he has two years remaining of eligibility based on 
on what I understand, and we'll find out if he ultimately decides that's the route he wants to take and come play for BYU. Now, other news we need to touch on here on a Friday involving BYU athletics is a big congratulations to Sean Olmstead and the BYU men's volleyball program. They got past Lewis three sets to one to advance to the NCAA championship game, where they will face, as expected, number one ranked Hawaii on Saturday evening, tomorrow evening at six o'clock Mountain Time. The match is uh, scheduled to be televised on ESPNU. Huge opportunity here for BYU. They are looking to end a multi-decade long uh, uh, winning streak, losing streak in NCAA title games. This is their eighth appearance all-time in the NCAA championship match. They are three and four all-time in the previous seven. Obviously, you'd like to even that record up at 500, bring home another national title, end that drought that uh, began in 2005 and has carried on until today. It was a crazy run in the late 90s and early 2000s for BYU, winning titles in 99, 2001, and 2004. Also runner-up in 2003 against, incidentally enough, Lewis, who they beat last night in the national semifinal. You would love nothing more for this senior class. A lot of guys in on that team, Zach Eschenberg, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, uh, Filippo, De, Filippo De Brito Ferreira, all of them are looking to cap their BYU careers with a win. I think that they have a good chance at doing it. They did beat Hawaii in Hawaii last year before the season was shut down. Looks like they were just uh, kind of full go towards a national title in 2020. We'll be rooting them on tomorrow night as they try and chase that national championship, that elusive national championship that's really been eluding them for a number of years now. It just seems like BYU has been the bridesmaid recently far too often, and at some point they're going to break through, and why not make it 2021? We'll see what happens tomorrow night for BYU in that match. So those are the kind of the big news and notes involving BYU sports. We'll have a full recap of how the weekend goes in other BYU sports. I know baseball and softball in action. Women's golf has Alicia May Mateo playing in the NCAA Stanford region. Regional. Carson Lundell was selected to participate in the NCAA Regionals next week. We'll do a full recap on Monday's edition of the show of how the weekend went for all of those other sports. And hopefully we'll be celebrating a national title for the BYU men's volleyball program. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue on with 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Talking about 1936 and the end of a run that was very, very successful. The first successful run for BYU football under G. Ott Romney. We'll touch on all of that in just a few moments here. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys. The baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Of course, there are also action with the NBA playoffs upcoming, the final week or so of the regular season in the NBA. If you want to bet on that, they've got that for you. NHL playoffs upcoming, UFC, MMA action. No matter what it might be, they have the odds and whatever you might want to bet on, prop bets, all of that available to you at bet online don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs up to and into the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag it's free to sign up by the way and also you can receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code locked on you heard that right free money from bet online take advantage of it now it's betonline.ag promo code locked on with your first deposit and it's all courtesy of our friends at bet online as they are your online Online sportsbook experts. 
All right, folks, continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown here on the podcast. We're talking about 1936 today, and the most notable thing about the 1936 season was that it was the final season of G. Ott Romney's run as head coach of BYU. This was his ninth year at the helm of the BYU football program. He had obviously put that put together that 8-1 and one stellar campaign in 1932. That was truly the high watermark for multiple decades to come, it felt like, for BYU, and and the hope was that he could get things rolling where they'd have more and more success. Well, he had two successive senior classes move on, and really the rebuild took a lot longer than anticipated. But 1936 was not a failure, I feel, I feel like. Obviously, it was feast or famine if you look at the results of the season. They opened the year at the University of Arizona in Tucson, losing that game 32-6. to They followed that up with back-to-back victories, shutting out Montana State 19-0, and went to Colorado Teachers College. College, Northern Colorado and won that game 33 to nothing. Then they played their two rivalry games in back-to-back weeks against Utah State and at Utah and were shut out in both of those games. 8-13-0 by Utah State in Provo and then 18 nothing at Utah on Halloween 1936. In the final month of the season, they would split their games, going to Western State winning 26-12, losing at Denver 35-7, smashing Wyoming in Provo 32-7 and then finishing out their season on Thanksgiving weekend at Colorado College, losing that game in a nail-biter, 6 to nothing. So, that left Giot Romney 4-5 and five overall in his final season, 4-4 four and four in the Rocky Mountain Conference, finishing 6th in the conference for BYU, and obviously, he moved on, and many of you probably know the story of Giot Romney, went on to be an administrator at the national level for uh, physical education programs. I think he worked for the federal government for many, many years, was a college sports administrator during most of his time at BYU, coach multiple sports, but I think his entire tenure as BYU's head coach needs to be considered an overall success, obviously. This is a guy who had success at Montana State, set the, set the framework for them to have success immediately after he departed. Came to BYU, really got things rolling, and then uh, moved on and did other things with his career, but his final tally as a head coach in football was 72-51-8 overall across two different stints with Montana State and then also his time at BYU. Not bad. 28-20-2 during his time as the Bobcats head coach. But to go to 44-31-6 for a BYU football program that before he arrived had only been playing for six years officially and to have an overall plus uh, 500, a 500 plus record in conference play in the Rocky Mountain Conference, 31-26-2. Pretty impressive. We all remember, I think, in this run that we've talked about about these seasons under G. Ott Romney, that 1932 year. You go eight and one. You go five and one in conference. Finish second only to Utah. I think the big thing about this was he had a good run against Utah State during the middle part of his nine years, but on both ends of it, lost successive games against the Aggies. Never excuse me, never beat Utah head-to-head, which was obviously a bone of contention, I think, for BYU fans during this era, as it is in the modern day. But Giot Romney, his success, or his overall run, was a success for BYU football. There is no doubt about that. He really helped BYU lay the framework. We're going to talk about Eddie Kimball joined the BYU staff as the freshman coach in 1935. In 1936, he was still the freshman football coach, but also was an assistant coach under Giot Romney. And we'll talk about on Monday, the first year of the Eddie Kimball era, the first 
man to be the head coach of BYU who played his collegiate ball at BYU. He was a young head coach, but had some good success to start his run at BYU. And we'll talk about that on Monday. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we will get to our Fan Friday featured interview. Our guest host, Sterling Young, talking BYU football, his memories growing up as a Cougar fan. What did he take away from the 2020 season? A great conversation you will not want to miss. We'll get to that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar. They are the most delicious protein bars you have ever had, and I mean that sincerely because I have had literally hundreds of different ones I feel like in my life, and nothing compares to a Built Bar. They have nine delicious flavors, of course, plus occasional limited time flavors that come out. Ones like cookies and cream that I have enjoyed from time to time when they have come along. But if you guys want to get in and try these Built Bars, all you need to do is go to BuiltBar.com. The best part about these is they taste like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And the best part is you will not believe how healthy they are for you. They are high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories. The perfect complement for anybody who's trying to lose or maintain weight, but also wants to get their fix if you if you will so give them a shot guys it's builtbar.com and while you're at builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order a great way to enjoy a great tasting protein bar and also indulge in a delicious treat that is healthy for you guys so give that a shot builtbar.com promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere all right, folks, time for our Fan Friday feature here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Sterling Young is with us now. Sterling, thanks for taking the time. It's good to have you on. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to talk about BYU. Absolutely. The way we kind of do this is I like to let you introduce yourself to BYU fans. We have uh, Cougar fans all over the country, even internationally, who listen to this podcast. So, Sterling, who are you? What's your background? Go ahead. Yeah, um, said my name Sterling Young uh, from South Jordan, Utah. Uh, been a lifetime uh, BYU fan, and um, they've definitely been the I can probably say the death knell of my life. <laughs> um, the, the the highest highs and the lowest lows, and uh, I'll tell you, this last season was a lot of highs for me in all in all, all the sports. I mean, football, basketball. Uh, volleyball. Um, it's been a it's been a fun year for BYU. It's all I can say. So, Sterling, you mentioned the fact that you're a lifelong BYU fan. Does that come from your parents? Uh, what's the family connection to the Y? Yeah, uh, I would say it's probably my parents. Uh, everybody here um, in my family. I come from a family of um, obviously my parents and then five kids. Um, we all grew up. Uh, going to BYU games, loving um, loving the games. I remember um, going to some of the Utah games back in the day and at Rice at Rice Stadium, and you know those um, wa- buying the very top nosebleed ticket just because I knew I could walk down to the base um, to the main, right down to the um, floor of the of the spill and watch the games from there because we were destroying them all the time back then, and uh, it was just. Yeah, it's a lifetime thing for my family. I, I they're amazing. I, I yeah. 
Okay, so Sterling, obviously you mentioned this past season, 2020, a lot of highs. They go 11-1. The only blemish, of course, that Coastal Carolina game. They finished with a number 11 final overall ranking. What were your takeaways from the season? What did you make of it all? Uh, was it everything you hoped it would be and more, or do you still feel like Coastal Carolina may have put a little bit of a dent in it? To be honest... With the way, like the way that we played the last couple of years, to even go eleven and one to me was just a an absolute boon. Uh, loved every minute of it. Even the Coastal Carolina game, just following following the truck from Provo to South Carolina was just it was fun. And seeing that, you know, we would take a offense that we that we were playing against with Coastal Carolina that kind of was a gimmicky type offense and style of play. And to think that we would be willing to do it in such a short notice just showed how amazing uh, Tom Homo did this year. And I, I loved it. I loved every ounce of it. And, you know, it kind of capped, obviously, with this phenomenal draft we just barely had. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the draft. Are, are you going to become a New York Jet fan, or do you have an NFL team already? Um, I'm actually a lot, uh, an Eagles fan okay. uh, from back in the Andy Reid days. And I started out when I was younger. I was a Niners fan because of Steve Young. Sure. Uh, and when he retired and they were kind of terrible there for a couple of years, it was kind of hard to watch. When I, This is when I was a younger kid. And – it just was easy to watch the Eagles games because Andy Reid, you know him, he likes getting a bunch of BYU guys. And so he, you're watching these games, you're watching Chad Lewis, you're watching Ty Detmer, you're watching, you know, uh, man, all these BYU guys that are playing on the Eagles. Uh-huh. And that was kind of those, that kind of built, building age when you kind of grasp onto something. And I gra- grasped onto him and went and, even through all their terrible years to the point where my wife videotaped me a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl and I was crying my eyes out because I was so excited. But, yeah. So, I'm excited for the Jets, man. It's so – that's just awesome, man. Zach Wilson, he's going to be a stud. Uh, he already is a stud, and he represents BYU so well that it's going to be hard not to watch them play. But it's kind of like – I'm not a Saints fan, but it's hard for me not to watch the Saints either because of Taysom. And it's hard for, it was hard for me not to watch – um, Jamal um, playing for the Packers, you know, and so just watching my BYU guys and enjoying them and um, yeah. So, okay, so let's dig in that just a little bit. I think you are representative of many, many BYU fans, and I include myself in this. My, my relationship with the Y is a little bit different. I grew up around the program, and now I work in the media covering them professionally, but I am a born and bred 49ers fan. I have, I, I'm with you. I kind of latched on during the Jerry Rice and Steve Young era, but stuck with them through that all. But to this day, I'm with you. I love watching my Niners play, similar to you with the, with the Eagles. It's your team but you have connections with these other guys on these other teams that draw you in to watch them. And I think that most BYU fans are are probably nodding their heads in agreement because you build a connection with these young men for the three or four years that they're on campus, in this case at BYU, and then when they move on, you want nothing but success for them. Am I kind of framing it the way that you have it in your mind? 100%. 
Yeah, so and that that's the fun part about it. I, I absolutely enjoy watching these guys succeed. I root them on because I've I've built a professional relationship with them. I've interviewed them, wow, for I feel like thousands of minutes in some cases over the years that they played at BYU. So that kind of brings me to my, to my next point, Sterling, is when it comes to BYU football, what do you want to see moving forward now? Do you think that they're capable of repeating last year's performance? Do you think they'll maybe drop off a little bit, or do you think they go right back down to being seven and six? Where do you kind of see the next season or seasons going? You know, that's kind of funny. I've, I've been having that conversation um, with myself um, quite a bit um, since the draft. And it's hard to know because we have, we had so much going for us. Um, but then you figure we had 12 players from this last year's team mm-hmm. that are now playing in the pros. Um, and so you're talking that's 12 out of your 22 that are on the field, um, probably 60% of the time or more, um, depending on the position they're playing. And so, but then you look at like what we've been able to do with, uh, Nakua is coming in with, um, you know, the different people that are coming in, the two players we've been watching over the years. And then also the newbies coming in. I honestly think with the P5 schedule that we're playing this year, I think we can do quite well. I, I don't expect us to go 11 and one. I don't, I, I don't think I have the right to expect that to be honest, but I could clearly see a nine and three or even an eight and four. And to me, that's a, that's a win. I mean, if you're in the Pac-12, you're winning the Pac-12 with that kind of record, sadly. You know, if you know what I mean. Sure. That's a very valid point there, I think, that you make. And I'm with you on that because I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast exactly, but that's kind of the point I've been making is I'm pretty bullish on the future of this program. I think Kalani Satake, uh, he obviously went through a learning period. Obviously, that 2017 season, nobody really wants to reflect on that. A 4-9 record, the worst season in, it felt like, four decades, I think is what the record books had it as. But I think he learned his lesson from that. He's gone about really revamping this roster. Roster, building quality depth in it, and I think that it's going to pay off. I'm kind of with you. I've, I've kind of pegged BYU, in my opinion, at eight or nine wins coming up in 2021, and I'm hopeful that guys like Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney or Jacob Conover, whoever's the quarterback, can really go out there and lead this team. And by the way, I probably should ask you, who is your guy that you want to see starting under center for the Cougars? <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Um I'm probably going to go with Baylor. Okay. Um, just because I've seen him do it in the big games and play well. Um, but the man, those other guys, they've got a lot that we've, it's not that often that you can have a team and look at it and be like, you know what we have, we have a quarterback, whether it's one, two, three or four. Um, they've done a phenomenal job of filling in that quarterback room and giving themselves something that where you don't feel like there's a massive drop off, which is phenomenal. Sure. And I say, I'm with you on that. Baylor does have something that the other quarterbacks don't have. He says, I have a ranked win guys. I went and beat Boise state. So that's kind of his Trump card, I guess, in this entire quarterback derby that's ongoing. All right. Um, Sterling, before we wrap up here, I kind of want to open the floor to you. Is there anything that you want to get off your chest with regards to BYU, whether it's a gripe you've got, whether it's a, it's a public PSA that you want to put out there. I'm opening the floor to you stand on that soapbox and let us hear what you got to say. 
Uh, man, uh, go Cougs, um, first and foremost. Uh, man, they're a blessing to be a fan of. Uh, going back, I can kind of look at, I mean, I try to go to a, several games a, se- a year mm-hmm. uh, to the football, uh, football, and I can go back to probably the favorite game I've ever attended um, was the BYU versus Texas, um, where Jamal and Taysom just basically went off. And not many stadiums um, in this country where you get that feel and that excitement. And watching that game, I mean, I remember that game and showing up and the weather was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Crystal clear, not a cloud in the sky. And then out of nowhere, it just got black. (laughs) And it it just went from beautiful to just crazy. We're all running in, hiding in the, um, in the different, oh my goodness, my mind's going blank. Um, you're talking about underneath the stands? Like, yeah, underneath the stands and watching just, it literally was like a waterfall just coming down. <laughs> and for like, what was it? Like 15, 20, 30 minutes straight of yep. just straight waterfall coming down. And just waiting and waiting and waiting, not knowing what was going to happen. And then getting out, then finally the game is ready to go. And then BYU just going off on Texas and just demolishing them. Uh, that's one of the – I think that's the funnest thing that I've I, – funnest aspect I have with BYU is, you know, just watching stuff like that. Watching Mark Pope come into basketball and you, you're thinking, okay, well, we've been kind of average for a couple of years and then all of a sudden having him just go boom and the, the basketball team just taken off. Um, watching, it's just, I, I love what the Cougs give every single day. You, you watch some of these programs in the country and you see the, the pride, you see the, um, the angst, you see the me, me, me kind of attitude with a lot of these um, student athletes and different programs. And then you see these BYU athletes that just make you want to be a better person. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I'm a big BYU fan to this day is you see these kids and I don't mind my kids wanting to be with those kids. Um, and watch Zach Wilson just, I mean, what, what a better, what a cooler guy, what a good kid yeah. to get drafted. Every one of our guys that got that made the NFL they're, they're good stand-up citizens all around, and I appreciate that. Okay, I, I, so one thing on that Texas game, I, I was at that game. Uh, my brother and I, well, so they're, they're, okay, they're, so in my family, I think most people know this on the podcast. If they don't, I'm the oldest of seven kids. There's six boys and one girl in my family. So my brother's just younger than me, so number two and number three in the family. Uh, so brother number two was hanging out with me at the game, and we were we we actually had, at that point I was actually there as a fan watching that game. I wasn't covering it for my station or anything at that point. We walked up to our seat. We sat down and he and I both looked up and saw exactly what you described. Kind of that just it went black. It was like, what in the world is happening? We both looked at each other and said, nope, we ain't sitting through this. We ran back down underneath, sat underneath the bleachers uh, while, like you mentioned, it just was a waterfall. It was just a deluge of water. And then uh, brother number three comes walking out of the student section at the time. He He was a student at the time. And he comes walking out looking like a drowned rat. And we're like, 
bro, what in the world? Why'd you stand outside? I don't know. I thought it'd be cool. I thought it would be like, I'm the Iron Man. Well, needless to say, um, he had a very miserable experience the rest of that game, just being as wet as he was. So, <laughs> just... it, was, it was definitely funny seeing those randoms. Sure. That you're looking through these concourses and just seeing a body here, a body there, a body there, just getting downpoured on, just sitting at their seats. You're just like, why? Yep. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Man, was that a fun game. Yeah. I mean, just watching that first quarter where – it was kind of back and forth, not too crazy that first quarter. And then about halfway through that second quarter, BYU just went off. And yeah. it was it was fun to watch, watching those um, Texas fans. Because I was over kind of near the Texas um, seats sure. on, that, uh, on that north end zone. Uh-huh. And just watching their entire countenance just completely drop. Because <laughs> they went in there thinking they were just going to destroy us, and then it went the exact opposite direction. No, it's exactly what happened. That's the that, that, that's one of those crazy things about the, the sport of football. It, it, you never n- quite know what's going to happen. And I can tell you this much. I had a conversation with somebody uh, connected with Texas in the media world after that game. And this actually, this is a couple of years down the line. Obviously, uh they fired uh, Manny Diaz after that game, after just the horrible showing that Texas had in that game. They just fired him outright. But I had a Texas media member say, that game right there, Taysom Hill single-handedly ended the Mac, uh, Mac Brown era at, at UT Austin. So yep. there you go. <laughs> so, well, Sterling, it was a pleasure to catch up with you. I appreciate you taking the time to join us here. Look forward to doing it again down the road. And thanks again for the support of the podcast. Absolutely. You do a great job. And um, thanks for all the information you provide us about BYU. Is, um, we love following them. Absolutely. All right, Sterling, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Yep, you have a good day. There you have it, Sterling Young. Thanks to him for taking the time. And if you guys are interested in being a guest host, a Fan Friday guest host here on the podcast, we would love to have you be a part of it. Feel free to reach out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can search us out, Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can email the show as well, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Over time here on a Friday, but you know what? It was worth it, and I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation we have with Sterling. Thanks again for joining us all week long. We'll be back with you guys on Monday with a full recap of the weekend that was looking at 1937 and BYU football. Plenty to get to on a Monday edition of the show and until then have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 7th, 2021 and we will talk to you guys on Monday.